And we're going to zero in tonight on the element of believing God for healings and eliminating unbelief. Absolutely. You know, there's a scripture from Psalms 119, verse 89. In fact, can I get it? Where, where's the priest team? Where are these guys? Can you guys do that one song before I move on? Let, let me read the scripture. This song once I read the scripture. He said, Oh Lord, forever, oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Because tonight, we are a company of believers who know without a shadow of doubt that the word of God is forever settled. Amen. Amen. Let's sing it loud and clear so that the devil will hear it. Yes. <laughs> sing it so that the devil, if he's deaf, let him hear tonight. Oh Lord, thy word is settled. In heaven it is settled. Father God, tonight, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the declaration that your word is forever settled in heaven. And now tonight on the earth, we claim and we receive the settlement of the word of God in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that no demon in hell, no demon around hell, no one forever can change what you've already blessed. And therefore, God, we declare that we are a blessed people tonight. In the name of Jesus, we receive our blessings tonight. We thank you for the manifestation of healings in our bodies. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father God. For your glorious manifestation of your presence in the lives of your people. We receive it now. We bless your name for it now. And we thank you forever now. In the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus. We thank you Father. We bless your name. Thank you Lord. You may take your seats. Amen. God's word is set forever. It is not going to change. If something changes tonight, it's us. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for change. Hallelujah. The word of God is unchanging, unmoving. What it says today, it will say 100 years from now, as it said over 2,000 years ago, it is not going to change. It works today and it never fails. Amen. 
Folks, we are never going to get God to change his mind to agree with us. We must change our minds to agree with him. Amen. Settled means it's settled. And so if you hear nothing else tonight, I don't want any of us to accept anything other than what God's word has already said concerning us. It's settled. It's settled. Oh, hallelujah. In Psalms 103, let's just go there quickly and get started. Hallelujah. As for as many as need prayer tonight, we're going to pray for you. Everyone that needs hands laid on them, believing God for one thing or the other, we are going to believe God tonight. Tonight is demonstration night. Tonight is the night of proof producers. Hallelujah. If you don't believe, you need to get out of here. I'm telling you, because God is about to show himself out. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. So, at some point during the message, during the message on the service, Pastor Tosin and Pastor Mary will join me and we're going to together believe God for the blessings of God for everyone in this house. Psalms 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalms 89 or 69, I think, 68 rather, says that God daily loads us with benefits. We talked about that last night. And then verse 3 says, First, the very first listed benefit, he says, for he forgives all your iniquities. And then he says, he heals all your diseases. Amen? So, from what we were saying last night, the forgiveness of sins is the key that unlocks the rest of the keys to all the other blessings. Because one of the things the enemy used to hold down the people of God is the issue of unforgiveness. Or the fact that they have sins that are not forgiven. But I'm saying to you tonight, the Bible says God forgives all of our iniquities. Present, continuous. is forgiving you. And because you're forgiven, and because forgiveness is part of the atonement, the salvation packet that God gave us, is not just a matter of forgiving us, but as we just saw in, verse, in Psalms 103, healing of the bodies is involved. This, uh, redemption from destruction is involved. Uh, satisfy the mouth with good things is involved. In other words, if you're able to believe God to be saved, the same believing it takes to be saved is the same believing it takes to get a healing. The same cross brought both the saving of our souls and the healing of our bodies. No distinction. The same cross. Now, to further prove that tonight, let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Verse 4, look at what it says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Notice all of those things are in the past tense. He bore them. He carried them. Past tense. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Present continuous. So now in these two verses, verses 4 and 5, you notice the, 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 the joining together 
of the fact that he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows in verse 4. Connecting that to verse 5 about how he forgave our iniquities. So you see that in both, in both verses, you see the combination of forgiveness and the issue of carrying our griefs or bearing our sorrows all there together in the atonement. Now, just as a further confirmation that when the Bible says in verse 4 that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, that in fact what the Bible is talking about is the healing that took place at the cross. Let's go to Jesus' quoting this verse in Matthew chapter 18, chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I want you to know tonight that healing is just as much a part of your salvation as being born again. It's all in the same package. If you are born again and you believe God that you are born again, then surely you should believe him for your healing. It's all in the same package. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 17, look at what it says. Okay, verse 16. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him, that is Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed some of them. Abba. Just a few. All who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So now, what we read in Isaiah 53 verse 4, where it said he bore our sorrows and carried our griefs. Here in Matthew chapter 8, it's translated for us that in fact what Isaiah was saying was that he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So, if Jesus took them, why do we still have them? The scripture is very clear. He took them. He took them. And he bore our infirmities. And I believe God tonight that for whatever it is that we are looking for or trusting God for, that the faith of God will arise in our hearts and we'll be in a position to believe God and receive it. In the name of Jesus. Healing is the bread for every child of God. Yes. It's not a special privilege. It's not something that's just special for some special people. It's for everybody. Amen. Amen. Now, the question has been asked. Does God really want to heal all the time? People ask those questions. They say, well, maybe sometimes, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe well, some people say, well, maybe it's not the will of God for healing. Others say, well, God heals, but it's, it's, it's no longer the time for that. We forget one fundamental thing. And that is, you cannot remove the healing aspect away from the rest of the salvation package. So if you are asking the question, is it God's will to heal today? You have to ask the same question, is it God's will to save today? God made it clear. He said, I do not wish that any should perish. Is that some of the time? Is that just once a week? Is that once a year, once a month? Is that every five years? No. Every single day, God desires that people be born again. Therefore, therefore, if that is true, then every single day, God also believes and desires for people to be healed. Amen. You 
Separate it. The Bible says in Acts 10 38 that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth and he went about doing good and healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Now notice, he healed everybody. All that were oppressed of the devil. Not one single person he left out. All. So if you want to argue and find out is it God's will or not God's will, no, no, no. That's, this Bible is very, very clear. People came to Jesus and said, if thou will, would you make me whole? And immediately answered, I will. Jesus said to us in John chapter 5, he said, what he sees his father do, that's what he does. Let's go read it. John chapter 5. Oh, hallelujah. Father, I thank you that your healing virtue is not based on our feelings. It's not based on our emotions. It's not based on our song we sing. It's not even based on the prayer we pray. It's based on who you are. And tonight, Father, we thank you because we know your power and your presence is among and within us. And in Jesus' name, you will show yourself mighty. In the name of Jesus. So it doesn't matter how you feel right now. You, you may be tired. Maybe you've walked all day. You're tired. You say, I don't, I don't feel anything. I don't sense anything. That's, it doesn't matter. Not with God. It does not matter. What matters is God is here. Amen. And God is a spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. If you just release yourself and say, God, I'm here. You may not feel right. You may not feel good. <laughs> but God knows exactly how to get your case and answer your question. In Jesus' name. John chapter 5, in verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I said to you, the son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So the question is, Jesus made it clear, he cannot do anything apart from his father. And yet, everywhere he went, when he saw a sick person, he healed them. So that tells us, if he says to me and you that he cannot do anything apart from his father and he's healing people everywhere, then he tells me, it's his father's will to heal. It's his father's will to heal. This is what us will to heal. And I truly believe tonight God is going to help us. But God helping us is not just for this one occasion. I want you to understand. This is just a moment in time. Hopefully, we will receive enough and sufficient revelation of God tonight that we're going to leave this place and we're going to become healers. Ah, you guys are not hearing me. Hallelujah. I'm saying every one of you become healers in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It is what God expects. That's exactly what he expects. Amen. So, Jesus followed his father's example. And so, everywhere he went, he brought a revival. He brought a healing. Now, let, let me throw this out. Your sin cannot stand in your way of getting healing. glory to God. I said your sin is not big enough to stop God. Amen. Amen. Let me prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. All three and four gospels, the people Jesus healed, were they, were they born again? No. In fact, when he finished healing them, he says to them, go and sin no more. Which means they came with sin. 
Religion. Listen, no, this, is, this is serious. The reason I'm bringing this up is because two things mitigate against healing. Number one. Number one. Is it traditions of men? What do I mean by that? The things that God never said that we heard people say and we believe to be the truth. So we bring those things to the gospel and say, God, now this is the truth. Now work on it. Or work with it. No. Now, I've said it on and over and over. We are not advocating for anyone to be in sin. It will kill you. Sin will destroy you. It will destroy your family. Absolutely not. That's, not, that's a no-go area. But I'm saying to you, even in your sin, God shows me and you how big he is and how powerful the sacrifice of his son is that even in your sin, he reaches you. That's Bible. Because you cannot find one person in the Bible in the gospel that Jesus healed that was born again. And he healed them. Ooh, it's quiet in here. He healed all of them. Case and point, if he doesn't minister to sinners, how did you get born again? You were a sinner and you cried to God and he saved you. Why did he hear you? If he heard you in your sin to get born again, and I've just told you, being born again took the same sacrifice as being healed. What's the distinction? Every person that's born again right now was a sinner before they called on Jesus. And Jesus said, oh my God, look at Jesus. When the sick came to him, he didn't say confess your sin. No. He didn't say go and repent. No. He didn't say this is the condition. No. He just simply said, you be made whole. Hallelujah. He looked at the paralytic. We just looked at it last night. The man that they brought in through the roof. He saw their faith. He said, thy sins are forgiven. Did the man ask for forgiveness? No. The grace of God was at work then as it is tonight and as it will be in the future. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ, he's bigger than our traditions. He's bigger than the traditions of man. Hallelujah. Jesus of Nazareth is here. We are not saying these things so you can go out and mess up. No. I'm saying this so your mind can be cleared and so the enemy will not stop you from getting what you need. God heals people in spite of their condition so that after he's healed them, they will, gra- they will gratify and say, God, thank you for healing me and don't go back to do that sin anymore. But he doesn't minister with preconditions. Read it for Gospels. The woman caught in adultery. Did you hear Jesus give her a lecture? Instead, he cleared her. Where are those than accusers? Love finds a way to make it work. That's why I know it's going to work for you tonight. Love will find a way to help you. Love will find a way to cover your nakedness. Love will find a way to bridge the gap. Hallelujah! 
scandalous love. Hallelujah. Unlimited love. This love, we have never seen a kind like it before. That's why Paul said, it's love that surpasses understanding. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But that does not make it any less truth. The truth is that God loves us. He cleared the woman. And said, go. I do not condemn you also. Then he says, do not sin any longer. The blessing came before the instruction. The blessing of God always comes before the instruction. He did not put an obstacle. You have to attend seminars one, two, three. Go and hear Bank Akimbala three days. Go and pray for 19 days. Fast maybe seven days. And after you've satisfied all of these things, you can come and we, we, we check you out. Not God. Not God. Your herbalists will do that. Your witch doctors will do that. They tell you to go and bring a cock. Go and bring a chicken. Go and bring a lizard. Go and bring this. Go and bring that. And then after you meet all the requirements, they say, okay, we'll see what we can do for you. Not God. Not God. Jesus Christ plus nothing is always everything. Hallelujah. Jesus plus nothing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's who he is. No conditions. Traditions of men. One of the things that kill the word of God. Anything that the Bible does not say that you've believed or accepted to be the truth. Huge. All of us need to check our vocabulary. All those things we've accepted as truth that is not supported by the Bible. It's a tradition of man. You need to discard it if you ever want to see God move in your life. Now, God is always moving. He loves you all the time. But I'm saying to us, these are the hindrances that do not allow us to see the manifestation of God's power in our lives. Traditions of men. Traditions of men. Second thing that mitigates against receiving is unbelief. Huge. Unbelief. And really, there, there is a way in which unbelief and traditions of men go, work together. Because traditions of men will convince you that what you're asking for is too big for you. Traditions of men will say to you, your father didn't have it. Your, his father before that did not have it. And the one before that did not. So why do you think you should have it? And if you listen long enough to that nonsense, you relegate yourself to that tradition of man and unbelief seeps in. Let's deal with that. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Pastor Mary, Pastor Dawson, are you guys ready? <laughs> Praise God. We are going to chase the devil out of here tonight. Amen. That is if he's still here. That is if he's still here. He may have left already, but if he's still here, <laughs> I'm telling you. Hallelujah! <laughs> Matthew chapter 17. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 20. Ah. Okay, let, let's, let's provide context here. Verse 14. Matthew 17 verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my, own, on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often fails, falls rather, into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. 
but they could not kill him. Then Jesus answered, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of him. Now, don't forget now, please. See, if we are going to do what Jesus did, we need to use his methods. Huge. I just saw something now. I'll come back to that in a minute. But if we are going to produce what Jesus wants us to produce, we have to use his method. Thank God for Benny Hinn. I can't use Benny Hinn's method. Thank God for all the great men and women. All of them. They are doing wonderful exploits. I'm saying to you, if you want to see result every time, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. We're going to come to it in a minute. Okay? Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Simple. Simple. He didn't say to them because you didn't fast. He did not say because you don't know the Bible. He didn't say because you didn't pray. Now all those things are important. You should pray, you should fast, you should read your Bible. All of them are important. But if you are praying, and you are praying like Zechariah with unbelief, Zechariah is praying, he's barren for years, him and his wife. Praying. The angel came to him, he still did not believe. Not believe. Do you know how many people are praying in unbelief? So much so when God begins to move, they say, oh, no, I don't believe it. This is impossible. You have prayed and God is responding. And you say, ah, no, it can't, ah, no, it can't happen to me. Ah, come on, read it again. Is it my name on there? A million dollar check? I'm, a million? Ah, maybe a thousand, I believe. A million? You're praying unbelief. Okay. So he said, because of your unbelief. Now look at what he says next. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, oh my God, he said it again. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. In verse 21. Well, let's start from verse 20. Matthew 21, verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Now, can you imagine these guys? They've been with him for almost three years. They've seen him raise the dead, open the blind eyes, heal the sick, and they're wondering why the tree withered. Do you see the kind of people that Jesus had around him? I mean, uh, what else should you do? The man has raised the dead. Open blind eyes. The lame has walked. And then they saw a tree die. They said, ah, what, what happened? How did how could it have happened? They're like many of us. They're marveling. Okay? So Jesus answered and said to them, now this is huge. 
Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, he would. This is the problem. The issue is not me and you having no faith. The issue is with many of us, faith and doubt exist at the same time. That's what Jesus just said. If you have faith, comma, and do not doubt. So I, I used to wonder, how, how can this be? How can you say I have faith and I doubt at the same time? If you have faith and do not doubt, for him to have said that means it's possible to have faith and doubt. You want proof? Thank you very much. Bartholomew, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Go, come, go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Verse 23. Jesus said to him, If he can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe faith, but help my unbelief, doubt. And Jesus did not correct him. Which means Jesus understood exactly what the man was saying. I believe, I have faith. Help my unbelief, I have doubt. In the same mind, at the same time. That explains why we are not getting results. You have a wagon. So to the front of the wagon, you put a horse to pull it. But before the horse can pull, you put another horse on the other side of the wagon. Both of them exerting energy and force in different directions. Is the wagon going anywhere? Oh. Voila. Here I go. That's it. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So, the reason I know we have faith is because Jesus never prayed for faith for those guys. Even when they asked him, Lord, increase our faith, he ignored them, he ignored them completely. Completely. That's not the problem. If you're born again, you have faith. Why? How do I know that? Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3. Let's read it. And then we're going to deal with unbelief. Romans 12 verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Why? Has God has dealt to each one. Do you have a measure tonight? Yes. The measure you have is more than enough. More than enough. Why do I know it's more than enough? Jesus said, all you need is a seed. Oh my God. He said, all you need to make this happen is the seed of a mustard seed. The size of it. Tiny little faith. That's all we need. Well, if this was not good enough for you, if you look at the King James Version, Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I'm crucified. My old man has been crucified. He said, yet I live. He said, yet not I, 
but Christ liveth in me. He now says, but the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Give it to me. Galatians 2.20. King James. Thank you. Galatians 2.20. Thank you. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. How do I live it? By the faith of the Son of God. If you are born again, you have in you the faith of the Son of God. Faith is not your problem. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Very, very clear. Ah, you say, well, that's not good enough. Let every word be confirmed in a matter of two or three witnesses. We give you two, let's find you number three one. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, Faith! Faith! In KJV is faith, not just faithfulness. Faith! Why is this important? Faith is part of the fruit of the Spirit. When you are born again, the Spirit of God comes to live in you. It's there. You just have to activate it. You just have to activate it. Is already, oh my God. I said the lion dwells in the inside of you. The lion is in you. He wants to roar, but you must allow him to do so. It's already in you. Here you go. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. You're not looking for faith. Faith is in you. Faith wants to be released from within you. It's already in you. Why are you looking for something that's not lost? If you're a child of God, that's it. Because his spirit is in you. And the fruit of the spirit part is one of his faith. Are you getting this? Do you understand this? Okay, so you say to me, Pastor, if that's, if that's so, why do I have doubt? Why do I doubt? Why do I have unbelief? Why can I not just trust God completely, totally, period? You want to know the truth? The way faith comes or is activated is the same way unbelief is activated. I'll say it again. The way faith comes or faith is activated in you is the exact same way unbelief is activated. In fact, in fact, unbelief, when we bring it to its logical conclusion, it's a belief. I will explain it. You have been so programmed to respond to certain things and even though those things are lies because they don't agree with the word of God, when you accept it, it becomes true to you. The only problem with that is it will never manifest God's glory. For instance, somebody sold you the bill of lie and said, well, God does not heal all the time, so just trust him for it next week. And you look at your condition, you say, well, I'm 59 years old, da, 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 da. you look at it, you look at it and say, well, maybe it's true. 
So that lie has become true to you. It's a lie. Nonetheless. So how does this thing come? How does this unbelief come into our lives? This is, this, this is really where most of us live. And I pray that God will deliver us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Unbelief and unbelieving comes through what you already give yourself to hearing and listening and being around. Worldly things. All those crazy programs on TV. Your scandal. Hello? All scandal lovers? You can't love scandal and manifest God at the same time. Oh, if you want to keep your demon, you can keep on watching scandal. That's all right. That's your problem. But I'm telling you tonight, you can't keep on watching. You see, because the world knows what they are doing. They are using those medium to program your believing system, to program your understanding, to program your mind until you walk away from the TV. You believe what you just saw is true. And it's a lie. Let every man be a liar. But God be true. How to get away with murder. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, uh, oh, I watch a few of them. Oh, that's the truth. And after I watch one of them, I say, no, 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 I can't keep on watching this. It's the fact. It will kill you. It will kill you while you are laughing. It will kill you and say, wow, that's a good story. It will kill you and say, wow, that's a good storyline. No, no, it's not a good storyline. It's meant to destroy you. You think Hollywood loves you? You, you really think Hollywood wrote that for you? Listen, I'm trying to show you how unbelief comes. Faith comes by hearing. And by hearing the word of God. How does unbelief come? Unbelief comes by hearing. And hearing the lies of the devil. It comes by hearing the lies of the devil. It's so subtle. They package it. It's not too bad. Two men kissing one another. Ah, After a while, it it may not be a bad idea. It's a lie! And little by little, the things you despise, the things you know are wrong, they bring it to your living room. They bring it to your bedroom until you become comfortable and then you want to get up and say, in the name of Jesus. You are like Samson. Your hair has been shaved. You just don't know you have no power. not simple, but that's the truth. That is the reason why you go to the primitive world, men and women that are not exposed to these things, they have the faith of God already built in them, they have nothing mitigating against God, they have no unbelieving package nonsense that we're hearing every day, and so they, get, they lay hands on the sick, they're healed! They're healed! They don't have the nonsense that money has bought us. Can you imagine this? You take your own money, go and buy your poison, put it in your house, you watch your poison every day, and then you wonder why God is not moving. That's how unbelief comes. It's as simple as that. You cannot saturate yourself with that nonsense and want to get up and do something. Read the story of Samson. The Bible said he stirred himself up. Ah, 
He must have warmed up and said, ah, power, come again. This thing was gone. It was gone. That's how unbelief comes. Does that make sense to you now? You can't be listening to those things, man. You can't have people around you that are speaking death. You can't. Listen. If your wife or your husband is speaking death, go to the next room. (laughs) Until they can get saved. Yeah, you see, I went for the juggler. I went for the most, most dramatic. <laughs> Do you think God is just joking when he says, if two of you shall agree as touching anything else? You think he just, he, he just said that casually? Because he knows the power that's resident in the power of agreement between a husband and wife. You are believing God for the, for the stars and your spouse is say, ah, let's just manage the floor here. You need, you need to condemn their death and, and just... Find another level. That's where unbelief comes. So we feed our faith by constantly telling ourselves, renew our mind in the things that God has programmed for us. But you starve your doubt by avoiding those things I just mentioned. You can't feed yourself on the word of God and edify your, your spirit and your soul is fired up. And then you go and sit down with scandal for 60 minutes. Your flesh is back in the gutter. And then when it's time for you to meet a need, you can't do it. You can't do it. Because faith and unbelief is working together. You, do you, are you understanding how to get it? God is not going to do that for us. You're going to have to be disciplined to understand, I want to keep my spirit in a way where I'm ready in season and out of season. I'm instant in season and out of season. And by, so, by doing so, I avoid all these vain things. You have to. You didn't, Jesus, you didn't see Jesus watch scandal? Or how to get away with murder? Where will he have time doing that? When the man is praying all night and healing sick all day long. He will sit down and watch how to get away with murder. Does he need to get away with murder? <laughs> Who are you going to go and kill? Or oh, Empire, thank you. All these guys wearing this chain, that gold chain that looks like a, somebody can chain a human being and put them in prison. Empire. I watched half of, a, half of an episode and I said, this is nonsense. <laughs> Just half of it. I can't I watch anymore. It's, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Empire. The only empire I want is Jesus' empire and my own empire. <laughs> all this crazy, all this, all this crazy man. But now, let's go back to see, now we're going to get ready to pray now. Let's go back to see how did Jesus do it. So now, now you are in faith. You, under, you, you already know that you have faith because you do have it. And you are starving your doubt. Let's look at the common mistakes that we make that we are correcting in Jesus' name. Okay, let me go back to that Matthew 17 passage. All right, Matthew chapter 17. 
Verse 18. So now we are looking at how did Jesus do it? If you and I must produce, we must use Jesus' method. Matthew 17 verse 18. First clue. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him. And then in verse 20 because of your unbelief for I surely I say unto you if you have faith as a mustard seed you will say to this mountain. Problem number one. We are praying to God to do something that is already done. We are praying to God to do something that is giving me and you the authority to do. We make God our errand boy. God in no place in scripture did he ask me and you to pray to him to heal. You are the healer. The Bible said, look at, look at what Jesus did. They brought the boy to him. Did he ask God what to do? Uh, okay, uh, boys, wait one second, okay? I, I, need to, I need to have a one hour prayer. Just wait. Wait. Why the demon is still killing? Just wait. God, mandaraka baba, hereke, be, 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 ma, nisha, nisha, honda, 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 accord, accord, accord. After you finish calling honda, accord, you say mazda, 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 mazda. And if nothing happens, then you go Toyota, 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 Toyota. All the while the boy is lavishing. Ridiculous. And then after you blow tongue, if you are like me, you, you sing a song. There is none holy as the Lord. Because you're trying to create an atmosphere. As if God was not enough when he said, do what he wants you to do. Folks, that's why I said at the beginning, God is not moving contingent on my emotion. I may not even feel like it. That's not the issue. It's my spirit that's at work, not my soul. So we are waiting to get a fuzzy, wonderful, funny feeling. I say, yes, it's time. No. No. Jesus, the body bought him and he rebuked the demon. He didn't talk to the boy. He didn't want to know anything. He just rebuked the demon directly. That's number one thing we must learn. When you are praying for the sick, that's not the time for you to be praying to God. That's the time for you to demonstrate God, not pray to God. God is in you. You see, you see, you see, you see what I was saying about the traditions of men. Now watch this, watch this, uh, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now it sounds wonderful, it sounds noble. Nothing could be more, more incorrect. Because in your mind, you think you're calling the God who is in heaven. So far away. God is not in heaven. It's in you. But when you say, our Father which art in heaven. It gives you an idea that this God is so far, and you have, like, like a fishing rod, you have to reel him in and bring him to, to your realm. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? No. God is, yes, he, he, may, he may dwell in heaven, but it's in you. So if you are praying with the mentality that God is in such a far away place as heaven, is he flying a boy in someone for the someone to get to where you are? Or is it 787? Which one is it flying? Is it Concord? Hello? 
But when you are praying with the understanding that Christ in me is the hope of glory, you don't feel that distance. You don't feel like you're far away. You feel like your God is an on-time God on demand. Confidence. My friend, it's not what you pray. It's not how you prayed. It's who is praying. That's why the book of Acts says, Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who are you? It's a matter of identity. Who are you praying? I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who are you? It's not what you are saying. Forget what you are saying. What authority? Who gives you the credence? Why are you saying anything? What is your identity? Huge. So the first thing we have to learn is keep on, stop begging God. Deal with the issue. If it's diabetes, tell diabetes, get out of my body. If it's pain, say pain in Jesus' name, get out of this body. Speak to the issue. That's what he said about you say to this mountain. So you don't talk to God about your mountain, you talk to the mountain about your God. You don't bring your mountain to God. No. You don't talk to God about your mountain. Oh God, you look at this situation. God is saying, wait a minute, we, talk, we dealt with this 2,000 years ago. He's already dealt with 2,000 years ago. This is all story. I mean, come on. Would you go to, the, to, 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 to Kroger and buy a newspaper about G.F. Kennedy won the presidency? Way back in 1960. Would you, would you, would, would you pay money to pay? It's an old story. Story that's old. Bill Clinton wins the election. Is that news? That's what we're doing to God. What is there with 2,000 years ago, we bring it as new news. He said, what, what's wrong with these people? Forever. Oh Lord, my word is settled in heaven. So you don't talk to God about your mountain. You speak to your mountain about your God. Let your mountain know who your God is. That's what Jesus said. He's sending me, you and, you and I, to go do it. He's not asking us to bring it, to drag him into it. Now, you speak words of faith to yourself, but when you get to the situation, you're not begging God for that. One last scripture, and then, Pastor Mary, you coming on, right? Okay, Pastor Tessin, okay, good. One last scripture here. Mark 16. As I'm hoping by now you have enough to know that uh, God wants to do something for you. Uh, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now look at verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. So this verse is presuming you are going somewhere. Because the signs only follow. You cannot follow a person that's parked. These signs follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. We have no problems with us. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay 
hands on the sick and they will recover. Did you hear what he just said? Oh, no, we didn't hear it. He did not even say we should pray for the sick. Lay your hands on him. Command it to happen. Folks, let's practice what the word of God says. Lay hands on the sick. On your jobs, lay hands on them. It does not have to be in a sanctuary. How will they know that God does these things? Lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. He didn't say pray to me. No. And then verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. What do you think he's sitting down there to do? What do you think Jesus is sitting down there to do? The Bible says he forever liveth to make intercession. He served us in his earthly ministry. And in heaven, where he's exalted above every name, he's still serving us. Oh, what a God is this. He's still praying for us. He's not enjoying the accolades. I say, oh, king of kings. No, 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 no. He said, man, I have them down there. Man, I'm looking out for them. I'm watching my water perform it. I'm making sure everything I died for is enforced. Hallelujah. On and on and on and on. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Where's the priest in? Thank you. Hallelujah. Folks, God loves us so much. He gave us his best. He gave us his best. He didn't hold anything back. He gave up his best so you and I can have the best. I don't know what your need is tonight. But I know who can meet that need. I know who can meet that need. And so, Father, we thank you for your promises, which are yes and amen. We bless your name that your word is forever settled in heaven. And so tonight, in this realm, we, the children of men, we, the children of God, we receive manifestation of your goodness in our lives. In the name of Jesus, whatever the needs are, we count them met tonight. My Lord and my God, heaven above is open. We thank you for your glory and your power that is upon us to produce results in the name of Jesus. No man, no woman will live here empty tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Father God, that your word is settled forever. In the name of Jesus. Amen.